And I'm Karen Wright. It is 930, and joining us now is my good friend Barb Lampson, the Master Gardener. Hello, Barb. Hey, Karen, for just a second, I want to be the hockey fan, and I just want to yes. say congratulations to our Maverick hockey team and their win over Harvard. I was so proud. It was almost like um, I was a parent of one of these guys. <laughs> And you know, Mankato East Hockey has has won again, and they are going to be playing, I think, for the third place. But still, very good. And and because uh, my sons both go to the East, and they've had four of the last eight days, they've had no school. Well, the, they can go to school, but they don't have hardly any students because they all go up on the buses to celebrate all yeah. these wins. So, pretty exciting for the city of Mankato. It is, it is exciting, and and it's just such a great thing that with COVID retreating that we can get up close and personal oh. and celebrate with them. I, I am so happy and I'm so yes. thrilled. You know, I, I've had an opportunity to meet the hockey players when they come up to do their program and they're just such gentlemen and such nice people. And wait, know, wait where do you players. Barb, yeah, where do you yeah. meet where do you meet them at? At the radio station, of course. Oh, oh, I see what you're saying. <laughs> I thought you had a special in, and it's like they're you're going out to lunch with them or something, Barb. Oh no, no, <laughs> no! But they are just—they're uh, nice when they come up. They're yeah. just—they're just very friendly. So, hey, you know, spring is here. Yes, I didn't have to tell you that. I'm yeah. sure you were just out checking all your plants and things. One of the things I did on Monday, it was 70 degrees was to oh. check out some of the stores. If you remember last year, I was moaning because <laughs> I hadn't gotten onion sets, and I, and I went all over town. Now, what I buy are those small onions. The, bul- the bulbets, they're, they're little bulbs. The bulb form. Yeah. They, don't, they haven't broke dormancy. And for me, uh, planting them, we did 200 last year. We usually do 200 this year. We decided we're getting older. We don't need to do 200 onions <laughs> and weed and plant and do all that. We only did 100. But <clears throat> I found some beautiful onion sets. They were in a, a mesh bag. None of them had broke dormancy. And as soon as it warms up, I'll be able to plant them. But in my travels about town and checking uh, the nurseries and checking any store that I thought would be uh, selling bulbs, corms, <laughs> roots, anything like that. And I found in one of my stores, uh, I thought, you know, I really want a different canna. And I found one that was called Cleopatra. Hmm. And this was, again, it was, um, we were buying roots here, and they're actually tubers. And uh, I bought them, I brought them home, and it's always a good idea when you buy anything like this, these roots. They've usually been cut and stored last fall, and then they come to be sold. So they should be, they should be in good shape, and they should be dormant. And much to my surprise, the packaging on these cannas um, I opened up a, a plastic box. Inside a plastic box was a plastic bag Ooh. with no air holes in it. Uh-oh. And these roots were sitting in um, 
sphagnum and some other um, uh, non-soil things. They absolutely were sweating. If I squeezed the top where the stalk came out, they just, moisture ran out of them. And they were black. Went back to the store. They said, of course, we'll give you your money back. And so I thought, well, I'm just going to get some more. I'm going to replace them. I brought them home. It was the same problem. Here's what I would say. Not only is it important um, uh, to look at, you know, look, look and see if it's your zone, a zone four, but also look at the packaging. When you think about things getting packaged twice in plastic and then being surrounded by sphagnum, you know, if they weren't kept in cold storage, and when they were shipped, if they weren't kept in cold storage, they're going to start sweating in there, and and that's not good because they rot. And, yeah, they they just it's just gross. And you know the other thing I've noticed when looking for bulbs too is you have to feel them. Sometimes they are so dry and hard like rocks because they've dried too much, and and there's no life left in them. So a lot of times right. I they're will make awful. sure to check them first. And but yeah. the, the thing is, a lot of people don't know what's normal and what's not hey, you know and that is true if you check something and if you can now this was a hard plastic you would not have been able to do that but if you get it home and you think well i mean it didn't break dormancy it's it's not soft it's hard it's fossilized it absolutely <laughs> dried out Dead. you know and if you planted that and, and you think nothing happened nothing happened i must have done something wrong nope, nope you didn't do anything wrong it was that bulb that you had. They absolutely were fossilized. So, um, you know, make sure that you know what you're doing. Then I went to another store, and they had um, lilacs. They had grapevines. And these things were bare root. Bare root is a different problem. Now, with bare root, they're dug, and they're in the fall, and they're kept in cold storage, and then they're packaged off and they're sent you. But these, absolutely, the grapevines, they had about, um, I would say, 20 inches of new growth on them. Oh, no. And so you they never... Had leaves, they had leaves on them oh, all the way up. No. So if you think that you have a 20-inch stalk, it's got full of leaves, it's in a tight plastic bag, what... Would there be to sustain that? That's going to slowly die off. I mean, the, there there isn't enough stored energy to keep it keep it alive. And when it doesn't get oxygen, it doesn't get water. Uh, be anything, even if it's even if it doesn't have that many leaves on it. If you buy a rose bush and it broke dormancy. Don't get that one. Well, get Barb, it. I'm glad you said that because I used to think that the ones with the leaves were healthy before I, you know, was yeah. a, became more involved with gardening. And I thought, oh, this one has leaves, so it's obviously going to grow. And this one looks dead because it was dormant, which is supposed to be. So I'm so glad you mentioned that because it does look dead. But if it's dormant, that's the way it should be. So it should be sleeping. It should yes. be sleeping, and that means that it's been in the proper storage until it got to your store. And then when you get it, get it out of that plastic bag. But don't put it just in a bucket of water. You could, if you, if it's cold like this, 
You could put it into your refrigerator or put it down your basement in a cooler room, but cut that plastic open then, okay? And sometimes they're wrapped with uh, twine, the root, to keep it like that, too. Mm -hmm. You could take that off. If you have a big bucket that you could put potting soil in, drop it into that with the potting soil, and then you could give it some moisture. And then... Uh, um, the soil today is 34 degrees. Every day it's getting warmer. But, of course, here again, it would be best. It would absolutely be best to keep it in that dormant state until you've got the whole dug, you've got the soil improved, and place it in the ground. And then, then, it, then it'll just take off and grow for you. Right. Well, so, so good <clears throat> to mention that. So if it does have leaves on it and it's supposed to be dormant, don't buy it. Yeah, yeah, that that would be my recommendation. I mean, you may get it to grow, but it's going to be slower. It's like anything else, you know. You have interrupted its cycle there, and um, it it thinks it needs to grow, but it doesn't have the support of the rest of the plant, just using up the, the stored energy that you would have had to get it growing and healthy in your garden. So there's strawberries, too. They dig them in the fall. They refrigerate them, and they come... They should be all dried up. That's that. They shouldn't be green because um, they too are dormant. You get them in your garden as soon as you can, and then they'll take off and they'll start growing. So when you buy those, let's say because it's too cold and too wet to get out yet, should you put them yep. in your refrigerator? I would. Yep. Yeah, but you gotta. make sure there's no fruit like apple in there because they give off a, a gas that can. Is yeah, it, that ethylene, they do. That, and it that kills causes them. them to, um, it just gives them a boost, you know. It's like getting a fresh boost of oxygen, and they take off. And you don't want you don't want them to do that. But you know, the impatience that I took cuttings of, I started in water, put in soil. One of the little ones has got a bud on it. It's going to oh. bloom. <laughs> they are so easy to grow. Um, I just I don't think I've ever been so delighted with the plant as I have with them. They just they just take right off, you know. They make their roots. They, as soon as they get roots, uh, um, and I've got them in soil now, uh, they, they make buds. So well, I, uh, I was going to say, I have in my yard, the daffodils are peaking their little green tips up, and so that's really been exciting to see. The hyacinths are poking their little green tips up, and uh, the tulips haven't yet, but I'm going to have to put um, some wire fencing on top to prevent sure. the uh, rabbits and the deer who lo- tulips are a favorite usually daffodils they don't bother yeah that's true and um i haven't seen any tulips coming up i haven't seen any daffodils yet but the thing that's interesting the um the tall bearded iris they've um since monday they've come up they're about um Oh, I'd say two inches tall oh. with new growth on them. Hmm. I am surprised that they are so hardy that they're doing that. Now, the hillabars or the Lenten rose, that's supposed to be evergreen. Right. And normally the leaves stay on, turn green, and it doesn't take them long to make buds and you have flowers. They're absolutely dead right to the ground. They are. I mean, well, see, now my hellebores are green i was out there looking around and um i've got two clumps and mine my leaves are green so i hope you didn't lose yours i i hope so too and the thing was 
Uh, this year, I was particularly careful about covering them with leaves and healing the leaves up underneath. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I think, I hope I didn't, they weren't under there sweating, and, and that's what killed them. So so we'll have to see how that turns out. See, it, I neglected to put mine under leaves, so maybe maybe there yeah, is something yeah. to that, bar. But like I said, gardening is, is a big experiment sometimes. <laughs> well, it is. And I have been waiting uh, for the French pink pussy willow to open up. It had buds on it, and yesterday I looked out, and uh, the, the white, the pussies are showing, and it's like popcorn popping. You know, they're, they're dispersed in different places. It's not solid white. It's a little branch here, a little branch there, and, and it's absolutely delightful. Now the thing I have to worry about are the deer. No. They, like, they yeah. like to come up and eat those new shoots and eat the blooms and everything. So we'll see how that goes. Well, my impatience, I, I started a whole bunch of impatience by Seed Barb, and they are up, and I've never right. done those before, but um, this is my first time. They're the little ones. I did a whole bunch because I want to put them throughout my hosta gardens to add a pop of color because they're red and pink and some whites yep. are a mixture. Yep. So I'll probably, would you recommend I put them in little pots throughout there, or should I plant them directly into the ground? Well, you know, um, it, you have plenty of space between the hostas. Yes, this is the one yeah. I planted, 135 new ones last year, and there's plenty of space because yeah. so they're, they're small. I would say for your sanity, <laughs> you should plant them right into the ground <laughs> okay. because if you have, you have them in pots, you're going to be watering and watering and watering. True. So yeah. uh, uh, try it. I mean, that would be my thought. If, if you think that's not doing well... Um, you can always put them into a pot, but but you're still going to have the same problem. You're just going to water have to, and water. Um, you're just going to have to water and water and water. It's a great plant. It is a great plant. It a great color. And I hope you bought the right size. You know, there's the pixies which only get six inches tall, and then there's the other ones which will get. Um, 16 to 18 inches. Tall. I think I got 10 to 12 inches, so that's not too bad. No, no. And and if it isn't tall enough this year, uh, maybe next year look for something taller because the hostas get they, pretty tall. They, they yeah. get pretty tall, you know. Right. They really do, especially um, if you're in fertile ground, um, and they also sprawl quite a bit. But you'll love that color out there, Karen. That'll that'll look absolutely great. Well, because otherwise it was just mostly green, and I've got a few. Uh, still bees and things like that, but the the yeah. uh, I think that the impatiens do more consistent color. Yeah, they do. They they do a nice clumping effect too, which which I like. Um, now I don't know about rabbits. Um, if if the rabbits go after impatiens, oh, I don't know. I, I don't my either. Yard is fenced, and I don't get rabbits in anymore. Knock on wood. So I would really watch that closely, Karen, and see if you have to do some of that uh, powerful stuff that you use for keeping Oh, I'm going to be using deer defeat anyway, that stuff, the spray. It's basically to repel them. I'm going to be, trust me, that's that's a, a given. <laughs> that's a given? Okay. Yeah. Well, that, then you should be in, in pretty good shape with that. Yeah, right. Okay. So I, know. Um, I did, um, along my perennial garden in the back, I can sit on the grass on the very edge, and I can reach in, and I can cut off some old growth from last year. 
I did that on Monday, and I think I did a little bit on Tuesday too, and then it got we got snow, didn't we? Yeah. Yeah, I, and and it, I spent a lot of time pruning. I was kind of nervous about it because I was tramping through the yard, dragging all the branches out, but I didn't know what you know. How else do you do it? Yeah, yeah. Well, just don't overdo that because of the drought. You know things. <laughs> Can't stand to be pruned too much. Oh, so. too late, Barb. I've already probably killed them all. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, they, they say that this last snow we got, now I looked up the record, um, this past winter we actually got 33 inches of snow. Really? Snow cover. It didn't yeah, seem like that much, probably because it kind of melted and came and melted. and. Yeah, right. And and um, there was also some rain that we got. And um, that was that was good too, and and the ground was open enough, the frost was out enough, so that it soaked in, and that's what's really really important. See, Barb, I, would, I wanted but, to ask you if you're going to the Twin Cities tomorrow to the North Star Lily Society's educational session. You know, <clears throat> I I was planning on it, and then I see that Scott who's a naturalist at oh, Minneopa Park. Scott Kadelka, yes. He has a class going on tomorrow. Well, let's and talk about that so people who want to stay here, and then I'll talk about the other one. Okay. Well, he, he's going to be talking about beaver, and um, I, they, in Minneopa Park, they have, a, Scott has a wonderful website, and they have pictures, and people who go to the park will take pictures, and they'll give them to Scott, and he'll post them. I have seen... Um, and I can't remember if it was this this past season or the season before, a beaver dam. So there are beavers that there. So this will be interesting for him to talk about that and talk about the, um, how, in some cases, they're beneficial. And in some cases, I mean, they do real damage when they dam up the water and the, uh, the water starts backing up and flooding and that, and, and those dams have to come out. Um, I know when I went up to the Boundary Waters, You'll find lots of areas where um, where the beavers are working, and those houses that they build—you'd think they have little tiny twigs. They drag <laughs> really big things into the water and stack them up in there. Oh my gosh, yeah, that's they, they're logs. You just you, you want to hire them sometimes to maybe clear yeah. your yard. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I agree. I and then the thing that's so interesting—I mean, they love willows and they eat willows. And uh, and then they cut down trees. I mean, they do they do all of these things, so they are beneficial. And um, you know, it's it's good to learn more about them. It's good to learn to live with what nature has given us. Now that one's in the afternoon, correct? I believe it's one p.m. Yeah, because earlier in the day, I know there's one at Flandreau State Park <laughs> that they're doing with the DNR that's on maple. Uh, tapping maple syrup. So that's another great one if you want to take advantage. That's earlier in the day, but that's at Flandreau in New Ulm. Yeah, and I would think that they're done tapping map, uh, maple trees by now, Well, but, but I'm sure but, they can still go through that whole process. Well, and I'm sure there's some, but it's probably not running real well. But the thing I'm going to tomorrow is part of the North Star Lily Society, which my son is on the board and I'm a member of, but at the Bachman's uh, it's on 60th and Lindale. They're having Larry Farr, who is a garden expert, and he's also on Growing, Get Growing with uh, Larry Farr on Channel 5, so that's you may recognize that name. But tomorrow he's talking on uh, looking at trends in gardening and how many of them are related to the new natural, which includes a less is more approach to gardening, you know, using native yes. plants, soil health, and more. So if anybody's interested in that, that um, the actual... 
uh, Lily Society meeting, and then again, that's at Bachman's in the Twin Cities. That's at 12.30, but the speech or the talk, it's free, open to the public with Larry Farr, is at 1.30. So I'm going to be yeah. going to that with, with Grant. Well, that's great. And you know, this whole idea, Karen, of um, less is more, rethinking lawns, I just want to promote something I saw on television. It was on the program on Channel 2. It's called This Old House. Yeah. And, and they had, um, they were redoing a house, and the yard was compacted. It, all this heavy equipment had been in there. You know, all the worst kinds of things. So uh, Roger, the garden guy, was, um, uh, he was improving the soil and doing these things, but he didn't want turf grass. And he went, and you know that program, I think that comes from Boston, up in that area. He went, and I believe it was New Jersey. He found a place, a sod farm. This farm was 500 acres. They they had raised potatoes until they decided they didn't want to do that anymore because the farmer got interested in alternatives to grass. And he worked with clover. And what he was doing was raising a variety of clover that stays short. He's been at this for 10 years. And that you don't have to mow. Uh, You can just let it go. It stays very nice and short. When the drought comes, uh, it doesn't die. You don't have to water it. You don't fertilize it because it's a legume. And on some of those, he mixes in a type of uh, a grass seed that's real short, too, and also is not a Kentucky Blue or one of those high... Uh, maintenance well, my guess it will be it. It's probably the fine fescue. I was last night. I had one of my core course garden meetings that was on turf lawns, and yes. that was one of the things in Minnesota. They they say you know if you want that kind of that grass look, but not the high water input and all that, the fine right. fescue is a good option. And then you can mix it with some of those clovers and things because sure. clover they say alone has uh, is not quite as good for. Um, uh, the trampling on and stuff. I mean, it's not bad, but um, if you want that little grass look in there too, they recommended fine fescue and there's also a long fescue, but great options. And they say you really have to look though now for some of these mixes. And they right. say one thing to watch out for, if you're getting grass seed, if it has says perennial rye in it, that's not what you want. And you see that a lot because it's, or, or annual rye, I should say, that it, it grows quickly, comes yeah. up and looks yeah. green, but it's going to die because it's an annual rise. So sure, look sure. for some it's, fine it's, fescue in the mix. Right. And it's okay to uh, put in a, a small amount of annual rye. So it comes up first, it shades the grass. True. And then the grass will benefit as a result of that. But I want to tell you, uh, this uh, sod farm, okay, so they also showed how they harvest it. They, you know, they bale it just mm-hmm. in, in rolls, just like you do regular turf grass, and they ship it all over the country. Now, that is really rethinking your lawn. If I was going to do a lawn, I'll tell you what, uh, that's, that's where I would be going. He said, unless you stand on it, just looking at it, it's green. It gives you that effect that you want. You know, covering up the soil, protecting the soil, sequestering the, the carbon. It does all of those things. And yet, you're not spending time and energy and um, money uh, maintaining 
turf grass. Well, I'm glad I, you mentioned that because a lot of times the only tr- sod you can get around here is that Kentucky bluegrass, which is right. a heavy input. So that that's what they talked about last night. You can find some of those sods, like you mentioned, that have some of those uh, other options, but you're going to have to probably look or ask for it. Right. And, you know, Karen, what's so amazing is, so here, this old house, which we've been watching for a thousand years, <laughs> and they're using new plumbing and new kinds of things, Finally, they're saying oh, an alternative to lawn, to the turf grass lawn. I mean, and then you go to a class and they're saying the same thing. I mean, we're all getting on board because we care about nature. We care about the environment. We care about clean water. That's so exciting. And, you know, one of the things I asked last night at the thing is, you know, I've got the, the mostly bluegrass and weeds out at the lake house. I want to add some mini clover to that. So I ask, what is the best way to seed that? And, of course, the best time, fall is a good time to seed. And now, like now, as in the next week or so, is to overseed. And that basically means just taking, sprinkling your seed over top. So I'm going to go out there with my little bag of uh, mini clover <coughs> seed and spread it around. And you want to have soil to... Um, to seed contact so they said it's good to do just maybe before you know it's going to rain so it kind of waters it in or if it isn't going to rain you might have to to take and spray it with a a, a water hose or something with a sprinkler so i'm going to do that and i'm going to see how that works barb i think that's great and i wish you could have gotten it in before our last snowstorm i do too Boy, that would have been that would have held it in place that uh, would have uh, moistened it it would have made a good bed uh, a good contact between the seed and the soil because it'd been nice and moist but it's not too late like you say go out and do that even if you have to put on a rain slicker <laughs> get it on there now and then we'll all watch it Karen you let us know okay we could still get snow though Barb it's March <laughs> yeah yeah isn't that the truth it, it absolutely is but uh, I'm I'm hopeful you know the days are getting longer and the nights aren't quite as cold as they were before. Mm-hmm. So um, we have a lot to look forward to. I wanted to mention one more statistic. I, I was doing some research on potatoes, and uh, uh, I've had this question before. How many potatoes should I plant for my family of four? Well, first of all, if you don't have storage, you want to only plant enough plants so that you can use them as as they get ready. Ready. You don't want to have to try and store them in the winter because they really do need cold storage. Uh-huh. But here it comes to, well then, so how many potatoes would I get off from each plant? If you have lightweight soil, of course sandy is the best, but if you have some nice lightweight rich soil, you should get 10 potatoes per plant. Okay. So, if you thought, well, I don't know, uh, we have potatoes once a week, we probably use five each time, uh, then you then just multiply that, and you know how long that's going to last you, because you're going to dig those potatoes. You don't leave them in the ground until fall. As soon as they get done growing, you pull up that vine, and you take those potatoes, and uh, you put them in a dark place, to dry them off and then start put them in your cool place and then start using them. So uh, think about that. Maybe you won't get 10 big ones, but maybe you'll get a total of 10. You know, potatoes are like that, depending on sometimes you have one eye and sometimes you have two eyes on on that potato. 
that you put in there, and uh, you, they, some do better and some don't. But you don't have to grow a whole bunch of potatoes if you just want to have, during this summer, fresh potatoes. I have given up on growing potatoes. I think I told you that before because the soil in my area is so alkaline that I keep getting potato scab. Even though I bought the potatoes that were resistant to potato scab, it was just so much. And then I had the voles that were chewing them up. So I said, you know what? Potatoes are cheap. (laughs) And you know, you can go to the farmer's market and get fresh potatoes. I mean, that's a fantastic way to do it too. So just, uh, it's easy when you go in to buy this, the whole potatoes like that, and you see maybe six, seven, eight varieties, and you think, oh, yeah, I'm going to have, I'll take two of these and two of these, and two of these and <laughs> yes. two of these, and, and then each potato's got maybe five or six eyes on it, and all of a sudden, you could take up the whole garden with potatoes. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> That's right. Hey, uh, when should I see, expect my garlic to be coming up? I planted it last fall, which was probably too late. I should have planted it earlier, more toward the end of summer. But should I be seeing anything? I've put a lot of leaves on top, Barb. You know, I think I think it'll be fine. You can take the leaves off now, I would say, because it's probably uh, ready to start shooting up. You know, there's if you didn't get garlic in last fall, I see that there are garlic bulbs available in the stores. That do they do as well if you plant them now, Barb, or doesn't it, is it okay? You know, um, I have started uh, garlic this, not when it was this cold, but when the soil, when I was able to get out there and work it. And, and I, got, I got garlic by the, by the end of oh, summer. Okay. So if you haven't ever tried garlic before, you know, you just put in the, the clove you take get a bulb, you break it apart, and you take out each clove, and you set them in the soil, so you don't put the whole cl- the whole bulb in. Okay. Well, good advice, Barb. We are out of time, but I'm sure you will be busy this weekend doing something related to gardening, not not raking the yard, and not right. tramping on the, the uh, yard, but other things we can do, and including going to the stores, like you said, and looking for some good bulbs. Yes, that's exactly right. Well, listen, take care now and keep gardening. You too. Take care. Bye-bye, Barb. Yeah, bye-bye. Oh, I love talking to my friend Barb Lamps, and we just could chat and chat and chat. And Sometimes we only have a limited time. It is one minute past 10.